Welcome into a new Buff Stampede Radio. Adam Mustard Tiger, the publisher of BuffStampede.com, joined by Forever Buff Ryan Miller. Ryan, it's been uh, a couple weeks since our last podcast segment. Uh, unfortunately for the Buffs, not a whole lot has changed since then. They they lost two more games, fall to one and four, and you know now they rank dead last out of 130 FBS programs in scoring offense. I, I think Ryan, it's one thing to lose; it's another thing. When you're struggling that much offensively, there's just no fireworks for the the fans to get excited about. Yeah, I I agree. It's it's been hard to watch, and I think a lot of us are grasping it at hows and whats and whys and trying to figure out you know what what the solution is. Yeah, and and obviously the bye week comes out a good time, and, and when they come out of this, they're going to be playing Arizona. Really, probably the last game that folks outside that champion center are going to give them a chance to win. So there's going to be a lot of pressure in that game. Uh, one of the hot topics this week is why Drew Carter, the true freshman quarterback, didn't see action in that USC game, despite the fact I mean, the Buffs were down 37-14 with little more than 14 minutes remaining in that game. Were you thinking about that late in that game or uh, well, it's kind of your your thought process on kind of the criticism that Carl Drell and that staff are getting for not getting that guy at least out there for some game reps in, in that contest. The thought definitely, definitely encroaches in, but I can't fault the coaching staff for, for throwing in, you know, a, another young guy. Right now, if, if we're going to put our money on Lewis, then let's do it. Let's be all in with it and not, you know, give him every opportunity to try to make a play, build a little bit of confidence. Um, there's obviously two sides to this, but I don't, I don't fault the staff for not <clears throat> pulling Lewis and putting in Carter. I mean, game time experience can be helpful, but is it as a player you wonder if game time experience versus ones or versus twos or the you know the the B squad is is it really as helpful or is it good to get confidence back to your starter? Um, and it's always a gamble and you never know until, until you make one of those decisions and we could, we could throw this against the wall all day long, but I don't think there's ever going to be the perfect right decision on that. Yeah. And I think even people that are criticizing the staff are not getting Drew Carter in there. Don't necessarily think that he's going to magically fix this offense, right? I think the problems go far beyond just the quarterback position at this point. And, you know, I guess Brendan Lewis did get a little bit of confidence potentially by having that late touchdown drive where Brady Russell had the long game, which actually for Brady Russell, he was on the receiving end of that play. And that's the longest play for CU since October of 2019. Um, and then and Chase Penry caught his first touchdown pass after that. Brady Russell is kind of that throwback guy. I remember, Ryan, when I, I talked to you that First interview, uh, I asked you which buffs you like watching. I think Brady Russell's high on a lot of CU fans' list. Just he kind of has that blue collar mentality. Uh, like you, he's he's big into hunting. Uh, is that a guy that that you love uh, seeing out there when you watch CU game? I want to see that dude succeed. Not only because he's a pass catcher, but because he's a run blocker. That yeah, that's it for me. The dude's not afraid to be physical and. We all know I can get down on that train. Is I need so much more physical right now, without getting colorful and violent and angry over the phone. Like I need physical. I need it. And at least Brady Russell's given me some of it. So thank God for that. Thank you, Brady Russell, for some physicality out there. 
And another guy that's doing that on the defensive side, you mentioned that uh, you love watching Nate Lamman play. He's moving up the all-time tackles list. He's 20 total tackles away from being top five all-time in program history. And he's only 20 solo stops away from surpassing Jordan Dizon as an all-time leader in that category for solo stops. Uh, you, play, you play with Jordan for, for quite a bit of your time at CU, right? Uh, definitely my freshman year. If not, if not two years, definitely one year. Okay. But a ton of similarities between the guys. Uh, just they know how to get to the ball. Um, and that man, that mentality of, of lead and follow me. He's, uh, he's so much fun to watch, you know, and we're talking about, um, and they, D- Dyson was too, but Landman just has a nose and has this instinct to just put his face where the ball is going to be. And you can't teach that it's some kids just have it and he's definitely got it. And props to him. He continues to play well and, and do things when he doesn't necessarily have the support of the whole team around him. It's this kid is special and I wish we could have him for another four years, but you know, that's, that's the nature of college football, unfortunately. He's definitely moved up my all-time list, too, just in terms of the guys that I've, I've covered at CU. I, I can't even think of somebody that I would definitively put ahead of him just because of what he does week in and week out. And, you know, I think you had mentioned at one point you want to see more leadership out of this team. And, you know, that's a that's a problem, I feel like, at this point with this program. But Nate Lamon and Brady Russell, who we talked about, are the guys that, that are bringing that. How many leaders do you need on a football team? Uh, do you, I would imagine you need a solid one at each position, but is there like a, a number that, that you'd want to see in terms of guys that really kind of, you know, that you would define as top level leaders on, on a 105 man roster? Oof. Um, I don't think I'd give it an exact number. Obviously every guy has this quality and his character and what one guy lacks in one area, one guy can pick up in another. I think that three to four, you know, it's not going to be a full-on monarchy where you got, you know, a, a ton of different guys thrown in their lot. But I think definitely one on the offense, definitely one on the defense. I I need to see one of them on the offensive line. And then it's nice to have either the, the middle linebacker or a linebacker core or a quarterback kind of fill that role and just understand that that's – people are looking to you. You're – you're the play caller. You're the guy that makes things happen. And we've got it definitely on the defense, but we're still, you know, Brady Russell is, is filling that role a little bit, I believe, but I, I need more and I'm going to continue to ask for more because that's what I can do. Traditionally, CU's had captains for a season. You know, it's been somewhere like in that four to six range in terms of guys they designate as captains. Carl Jarrell is doing it differently. He, appoints captains for each game and those are voted on as well and I know Matt McChesney's been vocal about saying that they need season-long leaders I don't know I I guess personally I I feel like in the locker room that wouldn't really matter right I mean don't guys know who the leaders are they don't necessarily need to have that captain label for a season for guys to to know who they're supposed to be following right yes and no I like having a season-long leadership just because it gives you a role and whether or not you're ready to fill that role doesn't matter. If you're given that C and you've got to wear that C on your chest, that's it, it should empower you and force you to fill it. 
and to be better about how you're approaching practice, how you're approaching the accountability on team. And yes, guys in the locker room know it, but when you keep that C on your chest and it was voted on by the coaches and the players and it's there for the whole, for the whole season, when you're the one that's kind of got a shoulder, shoulder the responsibility and the accountability for that team. And I think it can make teams really good when you've got that solidified that solidified position. I continue to talk about this week on or week out and weekend is, is the leadership and is got to be paramount and it's getting better. But again, you know, we need, I need more of it. I had mentioned on the inside the herd message board on buffstampede.com that uh, we were going to catch up, do another interview. A lot of CU fans wanted to get your thoughts on a variety of topics here, Ryan. We're going to start with Trevmon 28. He asked, I'd like to hear Ryan's thoughts on our pass protection problems and solutions, particularly at both tackle positions, which have very poor pro football focus ratings. Yeah. I feel you here, pal. (laughs) Um, (laughs) You've got to win your one-on-one battles at either tackle position, but you also have to have the entire offensive line and running backs and tight ends on the same page when it comes to um, pass protection. I'm, I have yet to really see where we have everybody been on the same page when it comes to hats on hats, regardless of athletic ability. I just want a person on a person, whether you're filling a gap or you have a tackle or a D-end, that's where we got to start. Um, and until we can get that solidified, I, I, I'm worried. I'm a little worried. Um, Everybody's got to be able to know their role and know their position and do their job. And even if you just get a hat on a hat, right, that's still, that still is the first part of building a successful play. And then you go into the technique wise, but you can't just have guys with missed assignments. And then when you have a missed, missed assignment, plus another guy with flat out bad technique, this is a recipe for disaster. Movie buff asked Ryan, how do you hit a complete reset during the middle of the season? If we lose to Arizona, how do you keep the program afloat? That second part, uh, I mean, I, I, we're getting ahead of ourselves. Maybe we can, if they happen to lose to Arizona, we could address that. But just in terms of his first question there, how do you hit a reset button in the middle of the season? This bye week is going to make or break us. I, I truly believe that. And again, you get a time to kind of reset, heal up. I think that's going to be paramount for us is to get some guys some much needed rest. And then the guys that didn't need to rest, this is the time to really focus on your craft. Because practices, you're not game pre- game planning. You know, you had time to work on technique and to really focus on your own skills and sets and and get ahead. Um, but the only way you do that is if you're getting pushed by again leadership, whether it's from the the coaching staff or whether from the locker room. Hopefully, it came from the locker room. Hopefully we get some accountability again where these guys are taking care of things they need to and we can come out and get a W against a very beatable Arizona team. I was encouraged when Carl Durrell mentioned that, hey, we're going to practice Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, but then these guys are going to get the rest of the week off. I felt like just for myself personally, you know, I have an easy job here just covering this team and I needed a break. 
Have you ever felt that need during a season that getting away from football for a few days is actually more beneficial than continuing continuing to practice and kind of uh, still have kind of the, the recent struggles thrown in your face? There's definitely a place for it. Um, how long that time period needs to be depends on your maturity level. I mean, I know if, if it was a day, right? So when we were playing in the NFL, you get those Tuesdays. And there's some Tuesdays where you got to get in rehab, ice, all that stuff. But there's some of them where I'd go duck hunting, and that was it. And it didn't have to worry about football. And it was such a perfect example of that reset that we're talking about right now. Sometimes when you get those three, four days off, you can definitely drift far away. Um, as a player, you always wanted the time off. But now looking back, I think it was better to have – like a one day period in there or a two day period in there, but not long enough to really distance yourself and distance yourself, whether it's in miles or in mentality. Gotcha. Gotcha. You mentioned uh, you think this bye week is going to make or break the program here going forward. Mile high crew had a question of along those lines. He, he wants to know what do we need to see this team do coming off the bye week to give us hope for the future, both immediate and long-term. I think we just touched on it is accountability out of each other and focus on what you can control, plain and simple, get healthy, get rested, work on your technique, understand how you can be a better teammate and better player. And that's, that's, I think is, is the simplest recipe for success that we could have. Original stats asked early results on Shannon Turley have not been promising. We are being pushed all over the field. Mel Tucker wanted us to bulk up, like the SEC, and last year we started looking like we belonged. Turley is bigger on length, and it's not working. Now, for context here, Shannon Turley was hired in January, and they gave the team a pretty prolonged break after that Alamo Bowl. So he didn't even – I mean, he got most of a full offseason, but obviously he's still – what is that? That's He's probably been the strength and conditioning coach for about nine and a half months. Is it too early for a question like this? Doesn't it take a strength coach longer than – nine and a half months to kind of leave his stamp on players in the program. I would agree with you on that. However, I think it's fun to juggle these things. Uh, you know, when you look at a coach or you look at a staff, you look at his, where he came from, right? He was very successful at Stanford. Um, and longevity, in my opinion, is going to outlast any big, strong, slow guy. Um, if you can move, if you can bend, if you can, if you can stay healthy, that's that's the winning that's a winning solution again. Um, we have not or he has not had a lot of time with these players. Plain and simple, it's we talk about the consistency, right? Keeping things going and day in and day out and putting it in. And when you've got you know less than a year to really work with it with a crew, they're changing over everything that was just put in place by a three year system, a four year system, something where guys have are building off of certain lengths, excuse me, certain strengths, certain lifts, the way they approach their workouts. I mean, you're, you're changing a full on routine. It's, you know, imagine if somebody comes into your office, right. Or wherever your place of work at and asks you to change the way that you do everything immediately. And then they expect you to have it perfect by, you know, three months, the first time of the season, right. It's, that's a pretty tall order to ask. And it's no different than when you're changing the way uh, players, biomechanics work and you know the teams that he was successful there at Stanford with they were they were big offensive lines those weren't 
you know, skinny groups that he trotted out there. You, your experience playing at CU was in the Big 12. Do you, do you remember ever watching those Stanford teams kind of in their heyday? I think it was about like 2010 to probably around 2016 where they were rattling off, you know, 10, 11, 12 wins every year. Do you, do you remember watching the, those Stanford teams at all? Well, I remember they could run, plain and simple. You had guys that had that could move people, and then they could run in space. Um, it wasn't like the traditional, or I say traditional, right? I'm thinking like 350 pounds, and you're getting three yards of carry. It, the Stanford could run the ball, right? You had I remember to, watching Toby Gearhart, and then uh, like Tyre Macby. Just he would they would move the line of scrimmage. And they would move it sideways and they move it up and down almost effortlessly, goodness gracious. Um, and then in the screen game, right, they could stretch you out, throw those quick little screens, but because guys could get out in space. Got a question from Booyakasha. Good username there. He asked, for Ryan, what do former buffs think of our staff? Well, I can only answer on one former buff, and that's me. <laughs> Uh, I'm waiting to see. I, I think, think there's some hope for greatness in here. I, I, I'm waiting and seeing, uh, right now I'm, I'm, I'm thinking like you guys are, is what is going on? How, when are my buffs going to be contenders again? I mean, it's, it's hard to be a fan some days, but it's harder to be a player and then a fan. And I'm not trying to sell a sob story here, but. I don't know. I I can't stand these one and fours, these these three and three and sixes, whatever they are. Is we uh, I, I don't know, bud. I I don't know, Buya Ashashaka, however you said it. <laughs> I don't I don't know right now. I'm hopeful. Uh, I am hopeful, but but prove me wrong. That's kind of where I'm at, Ryan. Is I totally get being super emotional right now because you know again it's not just losing football games it's really 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 hard to watch this offense right now but you got to kind of take the emotion out of it when you look long term and you know this is what is Darrell coached now uh, 11 games and so it's it's just too early to have definitive statements now you can start to kind of form opinions about the way he's running this program and obviously there's certain things they need to get better at but it's just too early to say definitively. And that's kind of my answer here the last couple of weeks is, is I don't know. And, and only the future is going to tell. Obviously, I think that what he does with the offensive coordinator position going forward could and, and most likely will kind of define the Carl Durrell era. And he needs to get somebody in that role that's innovative. And I think he needs to step back because head coaches have so much on their plate and let that individual run the show offensively. Uh, we heard that was one of the criticisms at UCLA was just they uh, weren't forward thinking sometimes offensively at Vanderbilt was another short stint he had, and they didn't put up huge offensive numbers there. And the rest of that time he's been in the NFL. So I think he does a lot of good things as a head coach, but uh, you know, right now they kind of need him to be involved in the offense, but going forward, it'd be a great situation if he can find an offensive coordinator that can kind of take the keys and run with this offense. I don't know who that's going to be, um, and, and obviously, uh, they're not going to hire anybody into that role until the season's over. So uh, I feel like you, in the sense that I just don't know the answer to, to this question and, and what the future is going to hold and, and whether or not the staff is going to be successful. Colorado asked, 
coming into the season, I think people thought starting one and four was a real possibility given the starting opponents. Do you think the team will be able to actually circle the wagons and rebound to four, five, maybe even six wins? Or should, should fans start mentally preparing for a one or two win season? What do you think there, Ryan? Well, so when you sent me the sent me the, the speaking topics, this talk actually kind of agitated me a little bit. Um, just with the statement of should fans start mentally preparing for a one and two season, I I would love to see what um, the fans are doing to to really help the team. You know, when they're in the locker room or whatnot, is uh, that just a and that's coming from a, from the old playing days is like this is also pretty hard on the guys as well on the team. And I think we can circle wagons. We had, we had an opportunity against A&M, right? I'm going to come back to that A&M game, but that was a very good team that we played very well against. And if we, we solve two things there, we come out with a W and then this is a different conversation, right? What mm-hmm. is the momentum like going forward? What does it change as far as, how teams approach us, whatever that X factor is going to be, right? Um, It's absolutely possible to win six coming out. Any team can be any team on any given Saturday or Sunday, and I've seen it happen. You think some team's unbeatable, and all of a sudden some nobody puts 35 points on them. Uh, that's, That's where I'm at with this, and I think it can happen. I think we can actually, we can pull some stuff out, but it's got to start from the inside of the locker room. Shine DeBuff asked Ryan, who is on your all time buff O line? This is a good question. I lost sleep over this. (laughs) I literally woke up last night and was like, man, what about, what about like, you know, the, the big eight stuff. So this is an excellent question. And I don't really want to explain my answers. Um, I did want some clarification, though, because if it was buffs as they were in college or buffs as they are in the NFL, changed a couple of things. Yeah, um, I can see that. So, so with that being said, uh, I'm going to go with Nate Solder um, or Stan Brock at tackle. Chris Naoli, John Wooden, Andre Girard inside three, and then Bakhtiari at my other tackle. Um, that's a, that's, that's a pretty solid group. It. <laughs> I, oh, it was tough, man. I I went back and forth over that one. Um, there's a lot of guys that that made that list for me. Brad Bedell's one in there, and I just I wanted to embody one word, and that was nasty. Right when I think about Naoli. And Gerard, like, are you, you want to talk nasty? Like they don't tell stories about guys throwing people in the lockers anymore. Right. Yeah. That I'll never forget hearing that story about Naoli just throttling him into that locker. And that's, <laughs> it, it fires me up. I'm, I'm all jacked up right now. Just even thinking about it. Like that's, I'll, I want that back. <laughs> Did any of those old time buffs, Offensive linemen come around during your time at CU as a player? Yeah, so uh, a couple of guys. Brad obviously was a – he was kind of an assistant coach for us. Not kind of. He was an assistant coach for us. And, gosh, I I still have a tremendous amount of respect for that guy. I think he's coaching 
I'm not sure if he's at Auburn right now or if he's at Boise State, but yeah, he's he's at Auburn uh, as tight ends coach. But you're right, he was at Boise State for a long time. Yeah, so I mean, guys that would come back and have that just kill or be killed mentality, um, it just it fires you up, and you got to be a different kind of blood type to to thrive on that stuff. And and if you're an offensive lineman, listen to this, and and if this gets you going, then then yeah. And I think we have some guys on this squad that can do that. Um, Casey Roddick is one of these kids where I've seen some nasty out of him. And I think that he's got to pull some technique stuff together, but his nasty is there. And if he can control that nasty and his technique, I think he's got a chance to be a very, very good player for us. I'm putting you on the spot here. I'm just curious though. Is there like a, an all time? it doesn't have to be a CU guy, just an all time in football offensive lineman that if, you know, I remember seeing, a story on when Michael Phelps was winning gold medal, gold medal after gold medal, and they kind of broke down his body, and it was perfect for an offensive line, uh, perfect for a swimmer. For an offensive lineman, is there one guy that you kind of look to as the perfect example of that nastiness, along with the talent, and along with you know the size that that is needed to be, uh, you know, an all-time great at the position? Oh, geez. Um... Yeah, I'd probably look at Joe Thomas. Okay. I I I've had the I was fortunate enough to play with Joe and and in between him and Alex Mack and and what Joe had and he was so consistent, but when he had to finish somebody, he he absolutely murdered these people and it was hysterical on film. You just felt bad for the guy's family. I mean, cuz they watched them just that yeah. dude get annihilated. Um that part of it, you can coach into a guy, right? That's something that you have or don't. You got to have it. You got to have it. Bakhtiari's got it. And you watch when Bach, Bach is a very good technician now, but what Bach lacked in technician, he absolutely made up for in tenacity. Just, I'm going to pull your spine out of your back, Mortal Kombat style. Um, Kai Maiava was a guy like that. Yeah. Um, yeah that I got to play with. And he was just so good with his hands. Um, Alex Lewis had a little bit of this. I mean, these are guys that we're talking about that I wish would have had a full career at CU. Um, you know, but you, you know can there, be... Uh, go ahead. Go, go ahead, Ryan. Sorry to cut you off. You can be athletic. You can, you can have the knowledge. You can be technically sound. And you'll be a really good player. But unless you've got that absolute desire to destroy the dude in front of you. I think that's really what separates the good from the phenomenal offensive lineman. You mentioned Kaya Mayava, and obviously he transferred uh, pretty early in his college career. One guy I felt really bad for it, and I thought had a ton of potential. I'm curious to get your thoughts on him. Max Tuioti Mariner, I think he came in around the same time as you, and he, I thought, had shown a lot of potential, but his body, his knees just weren't going to allow for it. But that's a guy that I thought was, going to be an all-conference type guy, but just obviously his body just never let him get to that point. Do you, do you remember him at all? I totally agree. Oh, oh, Moxie. Yeah, what a phenomenal human being. Uh, and Max was a guy that could throw the switch. He was the nicest guy off-field, just big old smile, laughing, telling jokes all the time. He strapped that chin strap on, and you better get out of the way because he was coming to eat your lunch. Uh, 
yeah, he had some absolute nasty and phenomenal hands, such quick hands and really good power. But yeah, just unfortunately for, uh, for Maxi, those, I mean, it's just all the knees. Yeah, no, but you're, you're hundred percent correct on that. Max was a guy that I thought he was super fun to, uh, to play with in spring practice. I mean, he, we could, there was no, no wrong that we couldn't do with him. We'll close out the podcast interview here with Fight CU 1414, who said, for Ryan, not a question, but maybe a fun statement. My family and I saw him at Red Robin after a game. This is when he was injured. I was a freshman at Columbine and my brother was nine. My brother went up to him and got an autograph that he still has and loves that story. Go Rebels, go Buffs. Ryan, I'm sure you you have had a lot of interactions with CU fans Uh uh, I would imagine, uh, hopefully, most of them were were uh, were positive. Absolutely, uh, the Buff community has the Buff and the Rebel community, and just the Colorado as a whole has always been so good to me. And I continually humbled by statements like this. I mean, I haven't played football for oh gosh, I don't even know seven years now, something like that. And guys still bring it up and. It's just fun to watch you play. It was fun to do this and that. And it's yeah, just thank you guys. Um, Colorado has always been home for me. And ever since I was recruited, you know, that was CU was home and, and Columbine and all of this, this huge pride in, in Colorado. So thank you to the fans still uh, for allowing me to share in these memories with you guys. Awesome. And Ryan, thank you for, for being on the podcast again. Uh, hopefully we can catch up again after the Arizona game. And, uh, you know, hopefully uh, we're not in sky's falling mode at that point. And Colorado has uh, been able to regroup a little bit during this bye week. Absolutely. We're going to yeah talk about some, some things we can improve on and, and go get another dub. That's what I'm looking forward to. All right. Thanks again, Ryan. And thanks to all of you for tuning in. <laughs>